I will not be preaching on gluttony. Just three of you. I thought it was a lot funnier than that too, but thanks both of you who laughed in that. That was appreciated. I think I need to set a timer this, this week because my wife said the last time I preached, I went way too long. So I'm not gonna try to do that today. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're um, with us. We wanna let you know that if uh, we can do anything for you as a church, please allow us that blessing. Um, we wanna know that you're loved here and that you're welcomed here and um, we don't take it for granted that you're here. So I heard this story about a young man named David Lane. He received a parrot as a gift. The parrot had a little attitude, and it had even a worse vocabulary. Every word out of his mouth was rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. David tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words, playing soft music, playing Jesus music, and anything he could think of to clean up the bird's vocabulary. Finally, David was fed up and yelled at the parrot. I know y'all wouldn't believe David did that, but he did it. It's not a true story. Anyone wants, don't give David a hard time. David shook the parrot. The parrot got angrier, even more rude. David, in desperation, threw his hands and grabbed the bird and put him in the freezer. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed. And suddenly, there was total quiet. Not a peep was heard over a minute. Fearing that the parrot had been heard, David opened up the door to the freezer. The parrot calmly stepped out onto David's outstretched arms and said, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and, I'm, and my actions. I am, I am sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. David was stunned. At the change of this bird's attitude, he couldn't believe it. As he was about to ask the parrot what made such a dramatic change in his behavior, the bird spoke up very softly and said, may I ask you what the turkey did? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thanks. I tried. So, some of you have been the parrot and some of you have been the turkey. But the key is that we recognize that we always need to change our attitude a little bit. Some of you this morning have come in here and you struggle with different things. One of the things that I think gets my head on the right place is being thankful. I mean, truly thankful for what God has done in my life, for who he is in my life, for my children, for my wife, um, for my church. I think we as a group need to work on being more thankful. We're going to continue what, De uh, what Jeff's been talking about out of Luke chapter 15, and we're going to kind of walk through the prodigal son and just kind of look at that a little bit um, from a thankful perspective. David Jeremiah said this, no matter what our circumstance, we can find a reason to be thankful. And all God's people say, pray with me. Father, may we have a heart that's listening to you. May we have a, a mind and a brain that is bringing in everything that you have. And, and may we ponder on it. May we meditate on it. May we get excited about it. Father, may we know that you've made a difference in our life. And may we share that with people who need to hear it. Father, if there's anyone in this place right now that maybe they've just been beat up or broken or hurt, may they know they can find you this morning. Beyond any doubt, Jesus, they can find you. They can hold on to you. You are their love. You are their grace. You are their hope. Jesus, thanks for being so many things in our life. May we not take it for granted. It's in your name we pray, and all God's people say. So the first thing, and, and this is kind of a different way of looking at it for me, but I always thought this, so I'm, you know, 
I'm sorry, you guys got to hear it. So I'm thankful that my father listens to me. Now, that sounds good, but when we kind of dive into this in just a second, we'll see why, why that's kind of a, a weird thing. Philip Yancey said, some who, att- some who attempt prayer never have the sense of anyone listening on the other end. They blame themselves for doing it wrong. Prayer requires faith to believe that, ju- that God listens. God listens. I want you to know that today. Maybe you've come in here and you've prayed and you thought it just went right through God's ears. Maybe you didn't think it went past the ceiling. Maybe you came in here today and you think, man, I don't know why God doesn't hear me. I want to tell you this morning, he hears you. You just got to wait. Sometimes it's not hard. How many of you love to wait? Anybody here patient? You just, you're, okay, I'm praying for you right now, so I hope you find more reasons to be patient. I'm joking. Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me, a, give me my share of the state, estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, just listening to that, you think, well, it's okay. But what I'm blown away with is the arrogance of that son to be able to ask that question. To even say, hey, Dad, give me, if one of my kids did that, I would lovingly give him a hand of fellowship. Or her. I, I don't know how God does this, but he listens to us even when we're stupid. That's going to be a theme this morning. Anybody ever be stupid and, and you're so thankful God still listens to you? I have my idiot moments every day, and I'm so glad that he hears me, that he listens to me. And see, I want you to understand as we kind of dive into this message today, even though your heart may not always be right, he hears you. And he wants you, sometimes he allows us to go through what the, what the prodigal goes through. That brokenness, that hurt, that realization that I need the Father. And we need the Father. If you get nothing out of this message this morning, you need God. If you don't catch that, help me help you to catch that. I need you to hear that. Psalm, one, Psalm 16, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy. Because he has turned his ear to me. I will call out to him as long as I live. One translation literally said that he bends down and hears me. Man, isn't that awesome? The God of the universe, the God who created all this, bends down and listens to you. He knows what you're saying, and he hears you. And I want you to know today, maybe you're, you're going through something. Get up here and pray to God. Ask him. Say, God, help me. I want to get better I want to get better. I want to get closer. When we start doing that, I think it, it changes everything. One translation of that psalm said, I love God because he listened to me. He listened as I begged for mercy. He listened intently. That, that's pretty powerful. That's like, God, he hears you, and he strives to hear you. He wants to know what you See, sometimes I think, well, well we just think, well, I'm not going to tell God that. He, you know. Guys, I, I got to tell you, he already knows that. He knows that you're being dumb. He knows that you're, he knows you're sinning. He knows all those things. So why doesn't I give it to him right, give it to him right now? And all God's people say, give it to him right now because he knows it anyway. He is a God that knows everything. And he listens to you intently. As I, as I hear that, it's not just our prayers. He hears everything we do. Does that worry anybody else? When you yell, when you scream, when your heart's not right, when you cuss and you scream and your heart's not right, it's got to be a country song. We need to work on it. I'm thankful that my father listens to me. I'm thankful that my father reminds me that I need him. 
I heard this really famous preacher, and he's uh, one of my favorite preachers, and he said this, you know you were made for more than filth that you find yourself in, Jeff Gaines. It's pretty good, right? That's powerful. You were made for the, more than the filth that you find yourself in. So if you're sitting around with the pigs, it's time to get up and clean up. It's time to get right and be honest and open and let God take care of you. No longer after that, the younger son to get, uh, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. This is a, a me thing. It might not be a you thing, but I'm so great. I'm so grateful that God, God's love is greater than my stupidity. Amen. Right? God's love is greater than your stupidity. It's greater than our stupidity. And I need it to be because I'm sometimes stupid. I know, if you have kids in here, I'm sorry, I should have said stupid. Verse 14, after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the at whole country, and he began to be in need. Now, remember, the one thing about this story that I think we tend to forget, Jesus is telling it because he's telling you about God the Father and about us children. And he's trying to remind you in this that there's going to be times he'll let you do stuff, but you're going to pay for that stuff. And you're going to end up, be, there'll be a, a severe famine. There'll be things that happen. Life happens. Life can be hard. Life can do things that you wished it hadn't. You can get bills you wish you hadn't. You can get things, it just happens. Some of you already had the flu and you wish you hadn't had the flu. Well, that's part of life. I've gotten to the point where I don't pray that I get rid of the flu. I just pray I learn how God's going to use it in my life. How can I show people this Jesus even when I don't feel good, even when I'm frustrated, even when I'm tired? So he went and hired himself out to be a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Man, that does not sound like a good job. It doesn't, does it? I'm, I'm not by nature a farmer, but if I was, I wouldn't want to be on the job that fed the pigs. I just wouldn't. It's probably not smelling great. It's probably pretty nasty. It's probably not something this kid ever found himself in. And some of you have been in life where there were situations you thought you'd never find yourself in. Maybe even in this morning. Maybe you're sitting there and you're, you're broken and things are going wrong and you thought you'd never be here. Maybe it's your marriage. You thought, man, I never thought this would happen. I never thought we'd go this way. But can I tell you, God can get you out of it. God can break those chains. God gives freedom to those who want it and desire it and ask for it. So want it, desire, and ask for it. Say, God, help me right now to be the man or woman you need me to be. Help me to be the dad or mom you need me to be. Help me to be the person who loves that our church needs us to be. Help me to do things for you. I love our church. I love that most Sundays you'll see Big Ben as you walk in. He's just waving at you, and that gives my heart fired up because I need that from Ben. Isn't that amazing? I love that we have worship that is just, can I say kick butt? Well, I just did. It kicks butt on all God's people say. It's good stuff, man. I love that we have a family that puts up with each other and takes care of each other in spite of each other. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I think that's the definition of brokenness. I think when you've gotten to your end and it just feels like you're by yourself, 
God gives you a reminder that you need him. For this kid, he needed the father, right? Anybody here need the father? Man, I need him. I need him every day. And I, I, I hate to tell you this, so do you. I am so grateful that God reminds me that I need him. I do. I need him. Next thing is I th- I'm thankful my father allows me to come to my senses. I, I love this. The uh, uh, NIV says like this. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have you, have you have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, the message puts it a little bit differently, and it kind of, for me, put it in a little different perspective. Um, It's kind of a good example of what repentance looks like. Now, we say repentance in the church, and sometimes um, we think everyone should know what repentance means, but we we sometimes don't. It's kind of a little churchy word sometimes. Repentance means when you just turn back to God. When you turn away from your sin and you turn to God, you turn around. You do, you do a flip, right? I'm not going to do a flip for you right now because that would be dangerous. But I think I just heard somebody say, come on, I heard that. Thanks. First thing it says is that brought him to his senses. The first step to repentance is, is just recognizing that I need I need to come to my senses. I need to step it up. I need to understand that no matter what happens, God's going to love me through it. Then the next thing it says, he said, all those farmhands for, for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. So the first step was just getting your heart right and getting your senses right and, and recognizing. The second step is you turn to the father. Once you get your head on straight, then you turn to the father. It all goes together. The third step, it says this, I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to see his father. See, the third step of confession is when we realize that um, we've messed up. We don't have it all right. We need to go to the Father. And ultimately, that's the third step. When you go to God no matter what, no matter what you've done or how bad it is, no matter what's going on, you say, I believe in God. One of the things we do here is, um, and we're going to have a baptism today, and I'm excited. But when, when someone comes up, we ask this question, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and your living Savior? And when they say yes, we do the good confession. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and my Savior. It, it, it's, a little, it, it's pretty simple, but it's pretty dramatic if you realize what that means. I believe with everything that's in me that Jesus is the Christ, Messiah, Yeshua, the Chosen One. He is it. Nothing else, no one else, only Jesus. Can I get an amen? That's the only one I asked for. Thank you. Boy, I'm glad I waited that one. When we get that, when we understand that, then we can go back home to the Father. When we realize what a mess we've caused in our life, and one of the things that I think we tend to forget is sometimes we think, well, I'm already baptized. I'm not a mess anymore. <laughs> you, are, you are mistaken, my friend. You're still a mess. You just have a Messiah now. You know, I got to be honest with you. We're messy. We don't want to be, but we are. We're still, you know, you figure one sin out, eight more pop up. 
Just keep working. Keep trying. Don't give up. Hebrews 12.1, I'm going to talk about that for a minute too later on, but it says, fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of my faith. I've got to get my eyes straight. I've got to fix them on him. He is my savior. He is my everything. And I am so thankful that God allows me not just to come to my senses, but he allows me for repentance. And he gives me the opportunity to do that. Next thing, I am thankful my father is filled with compassion for me. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. That's an that's that's amazing picture. If that's really what God wants to see who he is, man, can you imagine heaven? He's going to run to me. It says in there that he ran to the kid, not the kid running to him. And that's the kind of father you have. He loves you. Some of you today, he misses you. Some of us today, he wants you to get back involved with him. Not just plugged into a church, but plugged into Jesus. He wants that for you. And he will hug you, and he will kiss you, and it will be amazing. Don't worry. Just on the forehead. Don't panic. It's that dad love. It says, man, I'm so glad you came to your senses, and I love you. And see, what we're filled with is sometimes some of us in here have had dads that, that weren't as nice as our father. And, and, and their image of that is that God would just say, I'm done with you, and I have nothing to do with you because that's what their father did. And I want to tell you, that's not my God. My dad wasn't like that, but I know there's dads. I've seen dads like that. I don't want to be that dad. I want to be a dad that has compassion on my kid because I know what a mess I am. And see, it all works together. When you understand this, this incredible prodigal story, then you understand that God loves the lost. God loves it when we come back to him. Even when we think we're already in him, sometimes we still need to come back to him. Some of you have been putting off going to the altar, and I love you enough to say shame on you. Get up here. Get right. Get honest. Get bold with God. Say, God, I did this. And I want to tell you, there's nothing he hasn't heard. Nothing under the sun. Absolutely nothing. Isn't that good? Isn't that incredible? And when you do that, he bends his ear down. I even think he may even grab you a little bit and and kiss you right on the head and say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I love you, child. I love you. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be be called your son. See, that's it. When you recognize that I don't even deserve this, some of us are arrogant enough to think we deserve what Jesus did for us, but you're, you didn't, but he did it anyway. And for that, I'm grateful, right? Man, if you can't have a thankful heart there, then you missed the boat. I'm so thankful that my father loves me. The message puts it this way. When he was a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. The, the son started in his speech, which I love. Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. It put a different perspective on me when I read it from the message because, again, 
I don't deserve what I get. Let me, I'm gonna tell you this in love. You know what you deserve? You deserve hell. I'm sorry. That's what we deserve because we're, we're a mess. But you know what the blood of Christ does? It covers us who deserve hell. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Man, guys, that was a very weak amen, but that's powerful. That's amazing. I don't get what I deserve. I get Jesus. Open that gift up. Watch what it does. Talk the way he talked. Look at people the way he looked at people. Have compassion and grace and joy. And be willing to tell people they're wrong in the, in the love of Jesus. Do it with the right heart and the right mind. Next point. I'm thankful. My father welcomes me even when. Again, what do I deserve? But he loves me even when I'm a mess, even when I'm an idiot, even when I don't deserve it. This is, as I was looking at this at home, I got so fired up, y'all. I'm sure Amy thought I was losing my mind back there. I was, I was singing and thanking him. Let me, let me just tell you why. Verse 22 but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. At that point, most of you won't understand this reference. Cool and the gang came on singing celebrate. <laughs> I knew some of you wouldn't get that, but have your parents explain it to you. It's a party. Now, you guys know I, I'm, I'm a UK football fan. I know. Pray for me. But I, did, I am, and I, I get to go to the games. My favorite part is when they're getting ready to come out of that, that, that end zone, and people are getting fired up, and the guy you never even knew before you're giving a high five to, and everybody says, yeah, and the song comes on. And I don't know if it's, it's, it's probably not a good song, but they, they blur all that out. But it, all it says, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party. And I think sometimes we miss it because church should be a party, a party, a party. This church is better than most churches. But sometimes you need to sing, thank you, Jesus. You need to say hallelujah. Like when we see a baptism, we need to get fired up. If there's rejoicing in heaven, shouldn't there be rejoicing in the church? On earth as it is in heaven. Church, get fired up. Get excited. Watch what he does, even through us. When somebody goes to the altar, we should be rejoicing with them because whatever they're dealing with, they're leaving it with God. And said sometimes the church, um, we, we, uh, we miss the whole boat. You know what you do. Somebody goes forward and you whisper, what did they do? What happened to them? Why are they going forward? And I love you but you're a mess. You need to stop that. You need to say, why am I not up there? Why am I not praying with them? Why am I not on my knees? You see somebody up here, you need to rejoice. You need to holler a little bit. <laughs> Especially next week, I want y'all to do that for Jeff. Just scream and holler the whole time. I'm joking. 
I really believe with all my heart, baptism should be a party. I don't know if you ever go to like summer in the sun or these teen activities that are just really cool, but it's neat because when there's a baptism and somebody comes up, these kids, they get it. They scream and they yell and they say, woo-woo. I don't know if they say woo-woo, but I say woo-woo. And we yell and we're grateful and we're thankful because, because we don't want to be those judgy people anymore. Because we see what it looks like to be in grace. Maybe we don't bring in a fattened calf. Maybe we bring in a food truck. <laughs> We've done that here. And we celebrate. It's a party. It's a party. It's a party. Don't let anger and jealousy keep you from being thankful. And you know that's the, the son, the older son. What, what we often forget, but Jeff did a, has done a great job through this series to remind it. If you haven't heard it, go back through and listen to it because it's amazing. But what, what we see in all this um, is they were both sinners. The father, you know, sometimes we tend to think, well, the, the older brother didn't do anything wrong till he did, right? But his heart wasn't right. It was never right because he thought to himself when the brother left, now let's see what I get. I must get the rest of it instead of saying, I miss my brother. I want him to come back home. We do that in church. Sometimes when, when we don't like someone, we're kind of glad when they leave or when they're not there anymore. And again, quit being judgy and be thankful that God's brought you here. Don't, don't worry about anybody else. Meanwhile, the other son was in the field, and when he came to near the house, he heard music and dancing. <laughs> they're having a party, and he's out in the field. Bless his heart. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? And I think he said it like that. I don't think he said, what's going on? I think he said, what in the world's going on? What in the tarnation? That's the southern version. <laughs> Your brother has come, he replied. <laughs> and you know, the father's thinking, oh, he's going to be so happy. But he wasn't. And your father has killed a, a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You know, I, I thought about this, and I think sometimes God wants to plead with you sometimes. Please, please, please quit acting like you are. Quit hurting our people, my people, your people. Quit gossiping. Quit yelling and screaming and start loving us, loving Jesus more. That's what I think. I think God would just come and, and tell you to quit it. Get right. But the, the kid didn't do that. He, he answered his father, and I'm pretty sure he's probably not happy. Look! Explanation point. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. I can see the dad thinking, I thought you were always happy. I didn't even know. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes here, you kill the fattened calf for him? We're arrogant. We're like this guy. We don't want to be like this guy, but we have that capability. I've seen it at churches. I, I know I've been at a church where somebody walked in and someone came up to me and said, what's he doing here? What, she's, what is she doing here? What are they what are they wearing? What are they acting like? Who are they? 
went to church and said, man, I'm so glad you finally got here. We've been waiting for you. We got a party. Come on in. And all God's people said, we missed the boat. I say that in grace. I say that in love. But you missed the boat. We all do. Any here, anybody here ever get preachy and religious and you just want your own things and you think it's your, this is my church, not your church? No, actually, it's God's church. It's neither one of yours. And if you want to go one step, it's, it's, it's the church that Jesus died for. It's Christ's church. It's who we are. It's what we want to be. It's what we've always wanted to be here. And because we are Christ's church, we're going to show grace and love and, and kindness. That's who we are. That's what we need to do more. I promise I'm almost done, Amy. She's watching at home, I'm pretty sure. Rejoice in things that the Father is thankful for. Then In this uh, Luke 15, he says this first in, in verse 7, chapter 15. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. So what's that telling us? Repentance is important. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be arrogant. Don't be cocky. Don't be whatever you want. Don't be those things that aren't of God. Be the things that are of God. Look at the fruits of the Spirit and try to emulate them in your life. Try to show people how much Jesus has changed you. The next parable, or the next thing he talked about was in verse 10. In the same way I tell you, when he's talking about the lost sheep, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's a theme in this chapter, amen? He's saying that God loves it when lost people come to him. God loves it when people are baptized. God loves it when great things happen in his church because it's his church, not ours, and we need to glorify him. We need to give him the glory. Finally, the lost son. Verse 21, let's finish this thing up. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother, this brother of yours was dead and is alive, was lost and is found. And all God's people say. I, I had a guy who I loved to death, but he was so arrogant sometimes. And he came up to me and he goes, you know, Dave, I know you talk about sinning a lot, but I don't sin. And I looked at him and said, you just did. You lied. Get that arrogance out, man. Get rid of it. You're a sinner, and it's okay. We love you. We love you that you're here. We're thankful that you're here. Earlier we were singing, and it just got to my heart. Through it all, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well with my soul. Isn't it powerful? Can you say that this morning? If you can't, maybe you need to get up here. I promise, hopefully after this sermon, we won't judge you. And if you do, just tell me who it is. I'll get them. G.K. Chesterton, an old preacher, famous preacher back in the day, said this, the way to love anything is to realize that it may be lost. Anything. Everything. We need to treat people like, well, you know. There's a hymn I, I, I like. I, I like some of the hymns. I like our music. I, love, I just love when we sing to Jesus. But this is called Glorious Day, and it says this. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Oh, glorious day. 
Ain't good. I, I, I thought it was so good, I'm going to say it again. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freely, forever. One day, he's coming. What's it going to be? Oh, glorious day. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So this morning, man, if you're hurting or tired, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well with my soul. Let's stand up and pray together. Father, I just love you. I thank you for everyone in the room right now. Thank you for this time we got together. May we celebrate, Lord. As we see this baptism, may we holler a little bit, Lord. May we be grateful. May we share with each other. May we love each other. Father, I know there's some people who need to go back home and hug their, their spouse or their family member who they've gotten mad at this morning. I know, Father, as we go back, there's people in here that need to call somebody and say, I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I acted like a fool. Lord, we always need to repent. We always need to turn our way. Lord, may we get that. May we understand it. May we be able to say beyond any doubt this morning, it is well with our soul. And if someone can't say that, may they get up here and pray with somebody. Maybe, Lord, we got the baptism ready. Maybe they need to get baptized again. Maybe they need to make a commitment to you again. Whatever the situation is, may they do that. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people say, amen. Amen.